0: What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast where the seats are cold but the takes are hot. We've got another episode today of our 2023 NFL Draft Prospect Rankings. Early rankings, of course, all these subjects change. I'll likely do it at the Combine and, you know, just kind of deeper tape study as we go on here uh, as we march toward April 27th. But we've got our IDL group today, our initial top five, as well as some guys that just missed the cut. I believe we both watched eight guys. That's right, Brett. You watched eight as well?
1: I watched seven.
0: Seven? Okay. So basically the same amount of guys um yeah i will uh i'll get i'm not gonna give you guys the whole list of the guys i watch because obviously we'll get there eventually um but we'll kick it off with the guys that just missed the cut for us um and i'll go first and i've got three here um but the guys who are kind of just missed the cut for me in the next five up um one guy i got here is mazzy smith out of michigan um let me get his measurables real fast scroll down my document here six three three thirty seven he means a he's a big guy um really good run defender i think um you know, a strong player. I think if I, you know, I gave him a one word it's probably going to be strong. I think he's a really strong player at the point of attack. Um, really, really good run defender. Um, I think he's got some upside as a pass rusher. Um, didn't really flash a lot at Michigan. Um, maybe not as much as you'd like to see, but a really good run defender. Um, you know, not a great ball get off is what I noticed in a couple games that I watched. Um, but again, a guy who, who can defend the run really well, which is going to be about valuable for a team in a, in a specific role that can, they can try and let him develop as a pass rusher um, while he defends the run for him. So certainly a valuable type of type of player at the next level, just not a guy that I was going to have crack my top five um, generally due to like in the limited pass rush upside. I think he does possess and um, yeah, limited production a little bit. And then as well, just kind of limited up, athletic upside. Um, another guy in my top five that are outside my top five that just missed um Moro o- Ojomo, I think is how you say his last name. Um, out of Texas, one of the two Texas defensive linemen that I watched in this class. Um, again, missed my top five. I think um the one word I gave him, it's kind of just plain a little bit. Not plain, just kind of like okay, like he's a solid defender, but like nothing really jumps out at you on tape to me. Um, I think he plays fairly quickly and fast for a guy his size. Um, probably a guy who can. He's gonna be a, a pretty Basic three tech for. I don't know if you're going to shade him inside. I don't know if he's quite big enough. He probably can on pass downs. Don't know if he's a guy who can play outside for. He's listed as an edge at a couple big outlets. I, he's definitely not an edge to me. He's firmly an IDL. Um, I like the relative athleticism on his tape. I think he profiles nicely as a rotational defensive lineman for a team um, with pass rush upside. Although again, nothing really jumped out at me on tape. It was like nothing was like, oh man, that really catches my eye. Um. Just not overwhelming in any sort of way again. Um, but solid pocket pusher. I like his motor. I like the, you know, just the versatility he provided maybe to play, um, you know, on the inside, if you wanted to, it knows, uh, but really going to be a three chick through true three tech for me. Um, but a limited production for this guy, obviously you don't see a lot of defensive tackles with Jalen Carter production in college. You just, you just don't see it a lot. Um, just with sheer numbers of the rotation. Um, and then I, the other thing I had here was that his pad level wasn't great, his hand strike was inconsistent at times. Um, just something you want to see him improve on a little bit. But again, an athletic guy that I think is just a, an all around solid defensive defensive tackle. Um, and then his teammate also missed the cut for me, which I was so sad about. Keandre Coburn is my guy in this class. Uh, measurables are impressive to say the least. He is six foot two, three hundred forty four pounds. Uh, the word I gave him was beefy. I mean, homie is large. I, dude is so big. Um, beefy felt like just the right word for, uh, for Keandre Coburn. Um, he's, my, he's my guy in this class. I really like what he brings to the table. He's a role-specific player from day one, but he's damn good at that role of being a run stuffer. He's really good. I thought he held his ground really well. And he put him in the A, put, dump him in the A-gap, let him sit there, and he's not going to get moved phenomenal run defender, um, is not going to be moved out of his gap. I think he had really great gap integrity at Texas. Um, you know, I really like his ability to push the pocket. I think me more so than others, um, you know, places that I've seen talk about him don't really love his upside as a pass rusher. I see no reason he can't be. He's super athletic for being six foot two, 344 pounds. I mean, he looks 344. He's a big fella, but he, he moves well for being that big. I think he flashed, maybe it's just the games that I watched. Again, I only watched a handful of games for these guys. Maybe it was just the games that I watched. He had good pass rush games, but thought he generated a lot of pressure. I mean, you think he generated uh, 31 pressures on the season or something like that, or maybe it was 28 or it was a pretty decent number of pressures on the season, especially for a, a guy that rotated a lot during, throughout the season, like at most IDLs do. Um, but I'm a big fan of him. I think he's got enough pass rush ability to keep on the field in like third and medium-ish, third and long. He's not, at least he's not a three-down player. He's a rotational guy who can defend the run really, really well. going to be on the field in short yardage packages for you. But again, I think down the line in two to three, four years, which is ultimately what we're projecting at right now is what does this guy look like at the end of his rookie deal? I think he could be a guy who's you can keep on the field during third and, third and medium, maybe even third and long. I and mean, he's a good po- good pocket pusher. Again, he's, he's huge. So um, incredibly, maybe one of the best high effort guys in this class. Um, that guy's hauling every play. I mean, he's not like speed but he's moving for a guy that big and he just the motor's always going for him super high effort guy um and one of my favorite players in this class again kind of a tangent not a tangent but just kind of a a drawn out um deal here but I really liked Keandre Coburn and I wanted to have him at number five so bad and I just I couldn't have him over the guy I had at five but I'm a huge fan of Keandre Coburn the last thing I put in here was Chargers please draft Keandre, and I will plant that flag and say please draft him Yeah, Key
1: is a guy that I want to get to, and I did not for this episode. Um, With me watching seven, not eight, I have two guys outside my top five, and I'll start with a guy you just touched on in Mousy Smith out of the University of Michigan. Uh, Grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, so a local guy, just about two hours from Ann Arbor. Um, Six foot two, 337. He'll be two months from 22 years old at the time of the draft. He had two really solid years of production, and this past season he had 49 tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Uh, For his strengths, I said playing in 27 games over the past two seasons is really valuable. You look at some other guys in this class, and they missed a lot of time due to injury or other circumstances, and he was one of those guys that was really durable, always on the field, always could produce. Uh, He was very strong, solid against the run, and one of the biggest guys in the class. And what is a little bigger class, obviously shorter, at 337 is right up there at the top. Uh weaknesses, he only has one career sack, which is a little disappointing. Uh, obviously, you know, Michigan's always producing solid edge rushers. They have another good one this year. Um, you know, not like Aidan Hutchinson or David Ajabo or Pay, or any of the guys like that, but they always have guys on the edge that produce pretty consistently, uh, leading to some of those interior guys getting left. Um, you know just there for the leftovers not really getting the production high numbers Um, so that probably in part led to the one career sacked. I noticed he had a little bit softer hands for how big he is and he's somewhat upright and can have his head down against the run sometimes um, you know losing track of the ball and stuff like that Um, like you said his BGO or ball get off wasn't always on point there were some plays where he got off a little slow which is kind of disappointing because you know interior defensive linemen are the guys closest to the ball on the defense. So ideally you want those guys getting off the ball the quickest. And then my other guy that just missed the cut was the Florida Gators, Garon Dexter senior. Um, he is six foot six, three hundred and twelve pounds, and he will be 21 years and seven months at the time of the draft. Uh, in terms of my notes, played three seasons with solid production each year and grew up just about two and a half hours south of Gainesville. Um, you know, 55 tackles, two sacks. He was the only guy that I looked at that had interception this past season, and he had a pass defense. I noticed he had good agility and a strong upper body, overall heavy hands, and he has experience from a four eye all the way to head up on the center. Pretty solid bounce, and he's physical overall. Uh, I noticed he had a little weaker motor. Uh, He kind of lags on long drives, you know, when other opposing teams in the red zone, his red zone defense isn't quite as... I guess physical as, you know, that first series in the drive. Um, one of the many guys in this class that play high every now and then. Um doesn't always locate the ball that well, I notice, similar to Smith, um, which is always a knock. You want your guys, to, you know, to play low with their head up and stuff like that. Uh project him about sixty to eighty. So, you know, probably third round is where I think is the most reasonable for him. But yeah, we get top five. Now I'll let you start it. Um, but I think we have the same five in the top five, uh different order though. So I'll let you
0: kick it off with five and they'll alternate to the top. Yeah. Um, sounds like we got the same five. Um, it doesn't surprise me too much. I think the guy I have at five here, um, really set himself apart from that kind of next group of five next outside the top five group at the senior bowl. And that's Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. Um, man, really good senior bowl from him. Um, he really impressed me with the fact that he competed at a high level. Kind of got banged up on day 1 it seemed like came out day 2 and day 3 and really played well. The word I gave him was powerful. Um I mean you see it in his rush. He's such a powerful rusher. Um really from a lot of head up nose is what he got at that senior bowl in terms of one on one reps, but I think guy can rush at the 1 tech, he can rush you know at the 2 eye at the at the, at the 3, he can rush at the head up nose. I think his Ultimately, his best spot is ultimately probably going to be at the – again, probably at the nose spot. Um, just if you kind of look at what his build is at six three three twelve, 3'12", probably not going to be a, a traditional three-tech every single down. But, again, a guy who is more than capable uh, of doing that on, on certain downs, especially on kind of heavy set boxes. Um, you want to get another guy in there, you can maybe put the one-take and slide into the three if you needed to. Yeah. Um, dominated one-on-ones in the senior role again, incredibly powerful dude, really good pass rush. Um, I think he can play down to down too. He's a, he's a really good run stuffer um, overall, a really well-rounded guy um, in a class where I think that not everybody is well rounded outside of the guy who's at one. I think there's, um, you know, really, really good aspects of certain guys, but not everybody in this class, um, you know, has most guys have a, like a, a pinpointed weakness and a pinpointed strength. I don't know if you can do that with Benton. I think he's a really well-rounded guy. Um, last thing I'll say is uh violent with his hands, really good hand fighter. Um, and then he's got advanced hands, um, you know, in terms of hand fighting and just hand placement, that kind of thing in his reps. Um, you know, he's not the most explosive athlete per se, um, but in an ideal, it doesn't really bother me, to be honest. I mean, that's that's I guess the knock he probably, you know, put on him is that he's not the greatest athlete ever. Um and maybe you can't line him up at a three tech every down he's not going to widen it all he's probably going to be a true nose but um not really like the guy i think he's a really good really good just defensive lineman as a whole a well-rounded guy um and i'm a big fan of his game uh what he did at wisconsin
1: yeah i agree with you um he's my number 5 as well uh i'll try to touch on what you didn't uh he's from janesville wisconsin uh, just 45 minutes from madison where university of wisconsin is located um Six foot four, three fifteen. He'll be three months from twenty two years old at the time of the draft. He improved each season, which is something that's big for me. Thirty six tackles, four and a half sacks, and two passes defensed for him this past season in twenty twenty two. Played in forty five games across his four seasons. Uh, Has to be tops in the class, probably up there in the draft in terms of four year guys. He's a young senior with experience. Like I said, he won't even be twenty two. Until July, I believe oh, he has quick hands and quick to be pa- like quick to his maximum power. I think sometimes he has a tough time sustaining that power, but he's quick to his maximum strength. If that makes sense. Um, pretty strong in the run game because of that. I noticed he wasn't that versatile. Was mainly a nose tackle. Um, rarely lined up like outside of three. Um, You know, you like to see guys have versatility, especially in the NFL nowadays. While he does have the NFL build, um, he doesn't have quite the versatility that you would want in a guy, um, you know, playing IDL for you. I I noticed he wasn't that explosive and he was kind of slow in pursuit, which is always like like pursuit from D tackles is like you rarely see them make the play. But it's nice to see, you know, guys that have that effort that can get to the ball if needed and can be, you know, if a guy misses a tackle, they can be there to finish it up. I project him, you know, kind of first half of the third round, I think. It's going to be interesting where these data tackles go. Obviously, every class is dependent on the other in terms of draft order. Uh, but Probably first half of third is where I'd put him. Um, But, yeah, moving on to number four here, we have Baylor's Siaki Ika. Um, overall, a really solid prospect, a guy that, you know, was better in 2021, I think. You know, I'll get to that in a minute, but he's from Salt Lake City, Utah, Six four, three fifty eight, twenty two and a half 358, 22 and a half at the time of the draft. He was at LSU in 2019 and 2020, uh, and then he came to Waco, played for Baylor in the past two seasons, so four-year guy. I noticed he's a powerful tackler. Um, he's a tackle for lost beast. He can, you know, dominate a guy one-on-one as well as anybody, and he's agile for his size, long arms, which kind of leads to that. Um, you know, and the occasional push back to the quarterback. I noticed he was a little heavy. Um, You know, you look at him, he's kind of like the out-of-shape guy of the class, if you were to put a label on a guy. Um, You know, I think losing weight for him could lead to him becoming more versatile um, in terms of alignment, in terms of packages, and increase his playing time. Uh, He isn't very sudden in his movements, um, and he does play a little high being that big. So I project him back half of the third. He might slip to the fourth, but I don't it obviously depends where the other nose tag or D tackles go. But I think back half of the third is about where you're looking at him going. Uh but yeah, he's my fourth guy.
0: I'll follow suit here with, with Ika at four for me. Um what I gave him was large. I think that's evident at six four three fifty eight. Um you know, I thought he carried three hundred and sixty pounds. Well, in in comparison to like other guys you've seen at 360, um, I wonder. I think he's going to be pretty like uh, considerably lighter at the combine. I think. Um, I don't know if he'll be six four. He doesn't look six four. He looks probably like he's six closer to six two than six four on on tape. But again, it's hard to tell in the Big Twelve sometimes. Um, you know, not the hugest, not the biggest guys in the Big Twelve, especially up front and kind of in the trenches. But again, um, he he's a ridiculously large human being um i think he's a, he's a great run defender like i said um right. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna beat it at horse with what you said but I'll, I'll add a couple things um i thought he had above average speed quickness for his size i thought relatively he was fairly athletic for the size he has but again when you compare that to his peers that are smaller than him it's it's doesn't really compare um he's great when the field condenses though like w- when you're in goal to go situations because it is best in my opinion, especially like fourth and ones, fourth and twos when the playing field literally gets shorter in goal to go situations and the down markers get shorter. um, I think he's really, really good in those situations Um, forced a ton of cutbacks, man, the Baylor linebackers really underwhelmed me in tape. It's like, man, if they were just in their, in their spot at the right time, you know, filling the right gaps and stuff, man, they'd had way more tackles, you know, two, three yards at by on the line of scrimmage rather than like, or by, or behind the line of scrimmage, rather than like six, seven yards downfield. Um, I thought he forced a lot of cutbacks. Doesn't always fight the reach blocks super well, um, but he frequently beats opponents off the line is what I had for him. I thought he got behind the line of scrimmage well. I thought he had violent hands for the most part. Um, inconsistent pad level was the big one for me. Athletically, he's limited, and he's not great with his pad level. Um, at his size and his presumed strength. I'd like to see him be more consistently powerful on a down to down basis, especially as a pocket pusher. Um, a guy that big and presumably that strong should be pushing the pocket a little bit more consistently, in my opinion. Um, and I'll say this: it, I hate to I hate to throw this label on a guy sometimes, but it's like he didn't appear to be busting his butt on every play. I don't know if you noticed that, but the effort a was bit. not a, like. As opposed to a guy like Coburn, who, again, is massive. He's not the most in-shape guy on the field. No one's right. going to go ask either of these guys to go run a marathon. But with Keontra Coburn, as big as he was, Homie was always busting his tail, trying to give an effort on the, on, on the play. And I didn't see that with Ika as much as I would have liked. Um, and he wasn't an every-down player either. He wasn't playing every single down. So it's like you got to be giving effort when you're in a, a D-line rotation. Um but that said, the label that's going to be thrown at him is like phone booth player, which I don't disagree with. He's pretty confined in his space, and it's like you're not going to move him. And if you're not going to move him, you got to – you know what I mean? He doesn't really get uprooted much. So um, I'm a big fan of him. Again, drop him into, into the A-gap and just let him sit there and you know develop as a pass rusher um, and during practice and stuff like that. But I'll get to my number three, which I think is where we might differ. I don't know you're going to have it three versus two. Um, we've we've kind of got our it, – it's – I mean – Carter's at one for both of us, right? We're not going to – I'm not spoiling anybody's – Carter's going to be the one for most people, right, for everybody. If no one doesn't have Carter at one, I question their legitimacy as a scout, as anyone who scouts college players. So I'm curious to see who have a three. But my number three, I've got Pittsburgh's Kalijah Cansey, and the word I gave him was explosive. Um, Undersized Pitt interior defensive lineman, University of Pittsburgh. With violent hands and explosive ball get off. Does that sound familiar to anybody, any other prospect we've seen in the last decade? Because it sounds like Aaron Donald to me. Now, he's not Aaron Donald, he's far from it, but from a like profile standpoint, they profile similarly to being, you know, pit, undersized guy, really explosive, violent hands. Aaron Donald is a much better prospect. Let's just get that out of the way. But Kalijah can't see provide I mean, Kalaja's got a ridiculously high upside, I think, as a pass rusher. Um I don't think he's two eighty though. There's no way I said that right now. There's no way he's 280. If he's 280, he's going to break up. He might break out like a record for some sort of strength at the combine. If he's 280 because he carries it. I mean, he, he would, like, he would have to be like one of the most jacked dudes I've ever seen. Cause if, if he was 280, be it what he's listed at. It'd be impressive. Cause yeah. he doesn't look like he's that big. He made it in be six feet tall. He might be like, if I was putting the betting line on him at like six foot in a quarter, like that's the over under on his height. I might t- I would take the under and he might be under six feet tall. But that said, super explosive, incredibly violent hands. Um, you know I'd like to see him be a little more consistent in his run game. Um, with the smaller build, you know, at the NFL level. Um, but again, he he's ridiculously explosive off the bump. I mean, he's got a great ball get off. Nobody's beating this guy off the ball for the most. I don't I don't think I saw a single rep where he was not where he was beat off the ball in the tape that I watched. Um, he's got naturally a low pad level. Um he, he had he plays with good pad level to go with that. Um relentless motor. Um, hands and hips go together on his pass rush snaps. He's very explosive, like I've said a million times. Um, he gets up underneath guards and centers really well, and he's got a great ball get off, like I mentioned. Um he drew attention from two interior guys on most of his most every pass rush snap that he had. Um, and I like that he freed up a lot of a lot of his edge rushers on the, to get one-on-one matchups at Pitt. Um, he occasionally lined up kind of as an edge player outside the tackle, on or outside the tackle at Pitt. Um, especially like in pass rushdowns. I didn't don't think he's that in the NFL. That I think that was like a Pitt specific thing, like against certain opponents he was doing that. Um, but I think he he played the point of a tackle when he was there. I just again he's not going to be that in the NFL. He's not big enough at all um in my opinion but maybe he can i mean he's athletic enough probably so who knows um he i the, I, the other thing i liked about him is he got into guy's chest really quick the like the explosive about the ball like he was quick off the ball and he got his he was always first with the hands like getting your hands it's a, it's a race right you gotta get your hands on guys first he was always first it felt like i don't think he ever got beaten that aspect which is awesome um size himself is a concern Obviously, it's six feet tall, maybe under six feet tall. Um, I don't know what pits gap rules. Like, I don't, I don't know specifically what defense pit runs. I'm not a pit fan. I don't really follow their defense. Um, I'm sure I could go look if I wanted to, but I'm not going to for this. This is too early for that. But he was looking to like swim rip into like into uh, gaps at times, and I he got he got beat a couple times. Like he didn't get beat, but it was like, hey, like he got removed. He moved himself from the play because he was jumping gaps. It felt like. Trying to make a play as opposed to just going kind to of stick it in his gap, butt extend, wait for the runner, and then bone shed when the runner gets to your gap. Right. Typically, that's what you see a lot of interior defensive linemen do. I felt like he was trying to jump gaps at times. Um, the other thing is he plays out of control. Sometimes he's playing so fast and so explosive that he's out of control, and he gets run by or like tackles just kind of like or guards just kind of redirect him with his own moment with his own momentum. And he'll be out of the play. Um, but again, this is nitpicky. Like as an, he's an ideal. I, for me, I'd rather have a guy be super explosive and play a little bit out of control than have a guy who's not explosive and doesn't really play fast at all. I'd rather have a guy be fast and be like, hey, Kalijah, rein it in a little bit. I'd rather have to tell him to rein it in than tell him to like get, crank it up. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather have a guy who needs to be reined in than a guy who's just not twitched up or explosive at all. So I'll take that where I can get it. Um, the other thing I put in here, I texted you about this today when I was watching this tape. Wyatt Milam. The West Virginia left tackle number 64. That guy's a stud. He's a baller. Granted, like Pitt didn't have the greatest edge rushers in the world, but like, man, he's a stud. He's he's gonna be a junior next year. He's gonna get drafted. He get drafted probably the first two days of the draft. Again, it's too early to tell. He's got a whole another year to play football, but he's definitely getting drafted next year. Man, he's a really good player. Um, always like to kind of shout out underclassmen that I see on tape. Similar like Jeremiah Trotter a couple weeks ago at the line, or that we'll get to with the linebackers um that I've seen you know, I watched him when I watched Brian Brzee, he jumps out on tables and underclassmen. So I'd like to get the shout out for those guys as well. But, um, I like can I like the, the upside as a pass rusher. Uh, I just think he's going to be limited from a size standpoint at times. And he's not the strength athlete that Aaron Donald was Aaron. Donald's an, like the epitome of an outlier at, at the ideal position for the most part. You don't see guys that, that, that short be that successful, let alone be like one of the best defensive players of all time. So, um, but again, with the, with the violence that he plays with, I think he can be a really, really solid player at the next level. Um, just not at number two for me based upon the elite upside I think the guy at number two has for me. But I'll let you get to your number three.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree with what you said about Kalijah, and this was probably the toughest decision for me of the whole rankings, was between Brzee and Kansi. Um I went, number three, I did, it was tough because (laughs) I was so back and forth on these guys because obviously one has production and one has upside, and the upside with one far surpasses the upside of another, while the production of one is undeniable, they go against Mm -hmm. similar competition, so, at number three, I did have Kalaja Kansi, I ended up sticking with what I initially thought was going to happen.
0: Look at that.
1: And it was tough. It was honestly tough because I swear I went back and forth, I think, three times just thinking, what did I want in the rankings? Because normally the main things I value are, are you improving each season? How many games are you playing? How old are you? Like, what have you done for how old you are? And while this kind of goes against that, I just felt it was the best thing just because of the upside. But yeah, is at three, uh, Brzee's at two, and Carter's at one for me. And like you said, I'll try to touch on what you didn't say. Honestly, we had a ton of the same stuff. Um, Six-foot, 280, like you said, he's really, really strong. Redshirted in 2019 and in 2021 and 2022. They were basically identical stat-wise. A hair better in 2021, but he played 123 fewer snaps this past season and which is only 78.68% of what he played in 2021. So you're playing three quarters of the snaps you did and having the same production as a year before it is really beneficial, you know, for the longevity of his body, getting through the season and stuff like that. Um I noticed he had 31 tackles and seven sacks, so pretty solid overall. No fumbles or pass defense. Um now being a little bit shorter at six foot, like Aaron Donald, like you said, What I noticed was he had 15 and a half sacks over three seasons, really, really solid production in the backfield. Um, He has pretty much all the pass rush moves and another great athlete in this defensive tackle class. Quick first step. He had strong hands and he can play wider than a three tech at the NFL level. I think Um, in terms of weaknesses, he's on the smaller end, like you said, but he is strong uh, to make up for it. Sometimes he took too wide or too deep an angle in pursuit. Um, and that kind of bit him. I mean, obviously, it's always good to be there, but sometimes you're taking yourself out of the play just because of it. So that was the main thing for me that you didn't t- touch on, I think. Um, I honestly think he could go in the first. I probably You're probably looking at him in the 30s. Um, obviously, depends. If we have a run on some guys, then, you know, that could change for him. Definitely should be gone by 50, but I think probably in the 30s is where it will go. Um, but, yeah. We had the same order, I think, for the second time this season. We had the same order of corners as well, um, so that leads and, to my number two guy. It's
0: the third time we had tight ends. Yeah, and tight right ends now, yeah. tight ends too. And granted, we we were what one off on edges, and one off on basically one off on tackles or flop on tackles a couple of times. So, right. And we now we now we will get to this in the next episode. We both did revise our receiver rankings, and we got the same five yep. guys. Not the same order, but the same five players now. So we'll get to that in another, another episode. But um, I did want to point that out since we were on the topic. Yeah, I do have to look over the receivers, actually, and adjust it. Um, been meaning yeah, to get I'm to definitely going to have to.
1: But, yeah, number two guy is Clemson's Brian Brzee out of Damascus, Maryland. Uh, really solid private school that, you know, is always a football powerhouse, much like IMG Academy, Matter Day, schools like that. Um. Six five three zero five, so vast difference in size compared to Kansi. Um, he is about seven months younger than Kansi, which is always nice. You know, he'll be 21 at the time of the draft. He was the top recruit out of high school, so a lot of attention on him going to a smaller school in high school. Um, you know, grew up just about eight hours from campus, so not terrible. The upside, like I said, is what has him at two for me over Kansi. He has fifth, this past season. He had 15 tackles, three and a half sacks, and a pass deflected. Obviously, those are your lackluster numbers. Um, probably the worst numbers in this class. But he was missing time for a number of reasons. Um, I noticed he was very quick and elusive. You know, fast, instinctive, all those things. Overall, impressive for his lack of experience uh, in terms of the tools he possessed. It was just kind of putting all putting them all together. Never really happened there at Clemson. Uh, in terms of weaknesses, he only played 13 games in the past two seasons combined. Uh, you know whether it was due to injury or off the field stuff. Only 302 snaps in 2022, and not a lot of production. Obviously, he suffered a ACL tear in 2021, missed some time with that. I noticed he was a little bit poor in the run game, and ideally at 6'5, he could probably put on you know a little bit of weight as long as he maintains his athleticism, which I don't think he should have a problem with. Um, You know, being really athletic, honestly, more of a D end build, a big D end build than an ideal build. Um, But you saw him, you know, obviously with Clemson having Henry and Murphy, he kind of was inside and he dominated there when he was, you know, fully healthy. And, you know, freshman, year, you look at freshman year and he actually played pretty well. Um, You're hoping that continued an upright trend, uh, you know, sophomore and junior year and ultimately into the NFL. But While it's taken a little bit of a different turn, as I think most people saw, you know, going into his career in Clemson, I still think he possesses the same upside. You know, the tools are still there. He still has what it takes to be a really, really good three tech, um, you know, can move out to a five. With if he gains a little bit of size, I honestly think while 305 is big, you know, you look at DNs, you don't really see any DNs over like 270 or so. Being six foot five, I think he could put on 10, 15 pounds, ideally of muscle and That'll make him even more versatile um, and help his pass rush numbers a little bit, obviously, the pass rush upside. But I think, ideally for him, he's probably going top 30. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. Obviously, top 31 this year's first round. Um, But honestly, anywhere in there, I couldn't really tell you where I think he'll go in kind of a range, so I'm saying first round. Um, I think the highest he could possibly go is eight to Atlanta. They hold the pick currently. That's the highest. I don't think that would happen, but I'm just out of thinking about every scenario, I think that's the highest. So I'm saying 8 to 31 for him. But I honestly really like him. He's one of my fa- more likable guys in this class, I think. And I just hope it all he puts it all together at the next level and can have a long and, you know, successful career.
0: Yeah, I think you you hit he hit the nail on the head with with Brian Rizzi Um what I had for him the world was potential for Brian. Um, I mean, the kid just could never catch a break, right? So what I've got in here is that he's the toughest study I've ever had to do. In the three years that both of us have really been full-on, like, scouting prospects since 2020 to now, this is what our fourth class really doing this, um, watching guys pretty thoroughly. I think our, this is really our our third straight class, really watching everybody. We both watched a pretty decent amount of guys in 2020. So I'll call it our fourth class doing this. It's the hardest eval I've ever done. Um, the laundry list of injuries his first year is at Clemson. Obviously the ACL is the big one. Kind of just couldn't get healthy after that. Um, and when he was finally physically healthy, um, personal tragedy struck early in his junior season, um, leaving with, with like, I mean, hardly any games or, or Brazil's fully healthy physically and, and, and mentally. Right. And so, I don't, those that don't know, um, his sister Ella passed away after after a battle of cancer in September of this year. Um, man, I, I don't know how he played football. I, 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 it's m- more than admirable. The fact that he decided to keep playing throughout the rest of the year, um, you know, whole team was behind him. Um, you know, a guy who who did everything right off the field at Clemson. Um, a guy who was loved by his teammates, coaches, um, the community Clemson's pretty tight knit, just kind of a, as a, as a college town community, they're, they're pretty close. I know that, um, just kind of from the landscape of college football. Um, everyone loved Brian Brzee. He was always doing the right thing. Um, you know, so really, really sad, um, you know, stuff there for Brian. So hard, hard to get a read on him. I think as you watch the tape, as it goes on throughout the year, he, he appears to get better and better as the season goes on. And I think he had a great game against Tennessee in the bowl game, uh, especially as a rusher. Um, But every single tool that you want in a guy is in the toolbox for Brzee, right? Like the potential is, is the sky's the limit. Like to me, and this is lofty, but if everything, if everything clicks for him and he gets healthy, he's done with the injuries for the most, part. he's done with the major injuries he he gets he gets on track mentally. He kind of gets back to just his roots of playing football and just gets to just to play play football and not have to worry about anything else. And everything clicks for him in five years. It's Chris Jones. I mean, look at the build, look at the play style. tell me it's not Chris Jones? Again, that's a lofty, lofty. I mean, he's the be- He might be the best defensive tackle in football right now. Aaron Donald's banged up, whatever. One of the best defense. One of the best defenders in in, in all of football, right? it's lofty but again look at the build look at the strength the play strengths the play style it looks like chris jones to me and again if it all clicks he could get there and this is a lot of projection especially with brian but again that's what has him ahead of of, of Kalaja Cancy for me is, is the sheer upside he possesses is so unique um you know like you said former number former number one overall recruit in the country obviously a lot of pressure that kind of you know is put on him immediately at Clemson. Um, injuries, the personal tragedy. It's just the fact that he continued to play at a high level with all of that compounding those compounding issues. It, again, admirable, um, super high effort guy. The motor is, is cranked up to 110% on every single rep. Um, you know, similarly to his teammate Miles Murphy, that's it's the flashes and the wow, that's really good on tape. But there's bad that comes with it. I think you know there are times where he gets blown off the ball in the in in the run game, and at a guy that size, you just can't do that. Um, He's a hit or miss player a lot of the time. At Clemson, it was like again, it's hard it's hard to evaluate though. Like what he's not really healthy. He's um, but the medical concern is going to be a big a a big question mark for a lot of teams. I think the combine is going to be big for him to kind of get with teams doctors and say, hey man, what do the medicals look like right now? Obviously, you're healthy right now, but like, hey, what are we working through? How does the knee look, at, you know, post-op, 18 months out, that kind of thing. Um, he stonewalled in his rush a few too many times for me. Um, but again, I think the stonewalled in his pass rush and blown off the ball is a byproduct of his his pad level is not great off the ball. I don't think, and he could be a lot better if he just if he cleans up the pad level. It cleans up a lot of his problems, I think. Um, you know, again, obviously in the medical stuff, but. I'll say this: He he played a really good game in Tennessee as a rusher. He got some reps on the edge against Darnell Wright, and I think that Clemson took the opportunity with Miles Murphy sitting out to get Brzee some reps on the outside to kind of show teams like, "Hey, I am I am positionally versatile enough to play on the outside and pass rushdowns when you need me to." Um, which I think is great. Um, you know, he played in their bowl game, which is big for me. I, I, I personally I don't knock guys. I don't. It's not a con for me if a guy sits out like. Miles Murphy didn't play it, it wasn't something else, like, hey, he sat out. Like, I'm not – I don't knock guys for that. But it's a big plus for me when guys do participate in bowl games and they participate in all-star games, whether they be Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, NFLPA Bowl, whatever. It's a huge plus for me when guys participate in, in games they don't need to per se. Like, Brian Brzee playing in – what was that, the Orange Bowl? Yeah, the Orange Bowl. It's a big plus for me, I think. He's a competitor at the highest level. He wants to compete. He wants to win. He wants to contribute, which is huge for me. Um, lethal, le- lethal swim move. When he, he, you probably, you definitely saw. I mean, when he lands that swim move in, in 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 the run game, I mean, it's it's lethal. When he gets off the ball and and beats guys off the ball with that. Same thing in the pass game. And When he gets the swim with those long arms, I any mean, guards and centers are done. He's getting to the quarterback. Um, I think he applies a good amount. I think. The narrative on Brzee recently has been like, oh, he's this like super high ceiling but low floor guy, which I don't entirely disagree with. But the notion that like, oh, he wasn't productive at all, like, I mean, yeah, the sacks, the sacks weren't necessarily there for him every year. But like, thought his pressure, again, pressures numbers are kind of, I'm not gonna say arbitrary, but when a guy has low pressure numbers, sometimes that just he has a pressure doesn't get charted. I thought he he provided good pocket pushing pressure on a lot of his snap on a lot of his power snaps and he got so sometimes, but again, that he provided good pressure there as well. It's not like he was a guy who the narrative is like, Oh man, he never produced it wrong. He produced plenty at Clemson. So I, that doesn't really concern me. Um, and I'll say this again with him. High IQ football player. Um, seems to be a theme with the Clemson defenders. Um, and I'll point my flag here is maybe my hot take for the, for the episode. Maybe it was the Chris Jones thing. Maybe I have two hot takes today. Listen, Skeets are cold, takes are hot. That's kind of what it is around here. So I'll give it this hot take. Clemson has the best defensive line coaches in the country outside of Georgia. Take Georgia away for a second because they have the best talent at at the D-line. They they probably have the best coaches. I think Clemson has the best defensive line coaches in the country outside of Georgia. Better than Alabama, better than Ohio State, better than Florida, all these these teams that produce defensive linemen every year. Give Give me the Clemson guys. These guys are sound. Football players, they play really, they play in. Gap integrity is really solid there. You don't see guys with with missed assignments or MAs is what most people call them or refer to them as. Not a lot of MAs for the guys. They just seem to be doing the right thing and off the field. Like, none of these guys have character issues off the field. What was I last time a Clemson D-lineman had a character issue? Couldn't tell you. Clemson players in general, especially when they're at Clemson. Nobody really has an issue when they're at Clemson, so – Props to Dabo and his staff for that, man. Um, but Brian Brzee, I'll echo it. The most likable guy in the class. The whole class. Not just D, not just IDL. The entire class. Um, there's nothing to dislike about Brzee. Say what you want about the floor. He's a great human being. This guy busted his butt three years at Clemson. No matter what the roadblock was that got thrown in his face. I mean, the fact that he overcame those and and, and took a sledgehammer to all the, all the roadblocks that came, stood in his way is... Beyond impressive. Um, and, and this is a guy that no matter where he goes, I'm going to be rooting so hard for in the NFL because I want it to work out for him. So freaking bad. Cause he's such a good dude. Um, but yeah, um, that leads me to number one. No shocker here. Stealing and Carter. Um, the word I gave him. And I, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I said this about a player last year and, probably not about the put the year before Jalen Carter's is generational. He's a generational interior defensive lineman talent. I've never seen an interior defensive lineman. That's this good in college. Who's the best player on Georgia's team last year, the year prior, the first time they won the championship, he was a sophomore with Jordan Davis. Trayvon Walker was the first overall pick. N'Kobe Dean was the best linebacker in the country that year per college football's awards. Jordan Davis won, de- like, defensive lineman of the year. And I thought Jordan – I thought Jalen Carter was better than him. Um, I mean, he's the like, like – I think the last pro- – obviously, like, Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald was not this highly touted – people talk about Aaron Donald like he was this first overall picked type of pro- – no, Aaron Donald was, like, picked at, what, 13, and people thought it was a reach. He was undersized. And people were sleeping on Aaron – granted, like, most people, understandably, at six foot were, but, like, he was not this generational – player coming out that he is now right like i think jalen carter is generational he's better than Quentin williams was i didn't I, personally i didn't scout Quentin williams um i went back and watched some to bolster this argument better prospect than Quentin williams was i think he's like i was not gonna go watch the dominican sue tape he is that level of player though the dominican sue was what a third overall pick in the draft fourth something like that out of nebraska yeah, yeah. was in that was in new york for the heisman dude like he he was like what fourth in heisman he, ridiculous um he's that level of prospect to me um i didn't do like this crazy deep study on him because i've watched so much jalen carter for the last two years whether it was scouting jordan davis trevon walker nicobe dean last year or (laughs) pardon me nolan smith keely ringo eventually chris smith later this year like see a lot of jalen carter he's hard to miss on tape dude like he is hard to miss um I guess the big pros. He's the he has the best ball get off I've ever seen of a college defensive lineman. Literally any of them. Dude is so fast off the ball, and this might be hyperbole, but I really don't think it is. Like he is he's so so much better than everybody else on the field. He's so head and shoulders the best player on every field he was on this year. Every single one. I mean he was so 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 good. Um, I mean he's gonna step into an NFL team, presumably the Chicago Bears with either the first or the fourth pick probably. And we can get to why I think Arizona won't take him later. That's for the time That's for a mock draft conversation. But he's going to step on an NFL field and, and from literally from snap one, teams are going to go, we have to locate 88 if he wears 88 in, in at the next level, which I think he probably does, but whatever, arbitrary. We have to locate Jalen. Where is Jalen Carter on the football? Like, where is he lined up? Like, you don't say that about a defensive alignment. It's the hue and far between that you talk about that. He's going to be the best player on his team. On most, on, on probably on the Cardinals, right? I mean, it, definitely on the Bears. He's the best player on the Bears today. Put him on the Bears right now; he's the best player on that team. So you just don't, you just I can't under I cannot underestimate how rare that is to see dudes who are that good. Um, I mean, I guess if 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 I have to criticize him and like nitpick his game, um, I gotta think about it honestly. Um, I guess he can improve his pass rush plan. Like he he could probably improve. Like, hey, have a counter move. If the if the first move doesn't work, say against a Quentin Nelson, what's your next move? What are you gonna go to after that? You know what I mean? Um, he really didn't have counters in college. Like he got beat a couple times. Like few like few and far between he got beat, but it was like by that time, defense had got like the rush had gotten home at Georgia for the most part, right? So, um, I guess he. I guess expand the repertoire. Like he didn't pull off any like ridiculous interior pass rush moves, but I don't think there's a move he couldn't pull off. So I think if he expands the repertoire, I mean, shoot, like he could become, he could do it. And he could pull off any pass rush move he wanted to. Um, just a couple technical things he can clean up, but like the dude's 21 years old. He'll be 22 on draft night, but like he's a young kid. He's a young player. He's going to improve technically with an NFL staff. So um, I'm going to add this in here before I let you, take Carter um so i can get off of my rant 63300 pounds i forgot to mention that junior did i did i did forget to talk about that earlier i guess um i think jalen would be like this monstrous jumbo package fullback or like tight end like end of line tight end could you imagine him like lead blocking on like a power like power g or like iso or just like stretch like that would be crazy he would dom- he would he would blow up Linebackers and safeties, dude. He mm-hmm. would absolutely maul a linebacker in a hole in the hall, right? Like, he's so explosive and so strong, and he's just so violent with his hands. Like, I want to see him as a fullback, dude. I, he's super athletic hes so athletic too, right? Like, he doesn't look through—he looks like he's like two sixty. He he carries three hundred pounds. I don't know if he'll be three hundred pounds. He probably's not, but like, he carries his weight so well. God, he'd be such a good fullback. He just a light, dude. Like, just light dudes up. Right, like I'd love to see it. Um, but no, dude. Everything you can say good about Jalen Carter, you can say. Um, generational for a reason, man. He's a generational talent. I'll die on that hill. I'll plant that. That's only, I don't think I don't think that's a hot take. Like you don't get generational talents every single year. He's one of them, dude. Like he is such a freak. Um, and everything that he does. So, um, yeah. Jalen Carter's my guy. Like I'm not gonna make Jalen Carter one of my guys. He's like everybody's guy in this class. Like he's a consensus top three player. So I'm not gonna be like, oh, he's my guy. He's my guy because. Everybody's guy, but love watching Geno Carter play football. He's going to be a freak at the next level and going to be a problem in the NFL for a long time. And with that, I will let you take the floor.
1: All right. Yeah. I mean, I'll round out the episode with my thoughts on him. Uh, you covered most of it. Um, yeah, I definitely think he's one of a kind guy. You don't see all the tools he brings mixed with the production he's had at the level he's played ever, especially in his position group, um being mainly an interior defensive lineman. Six three, three hundred, like you said. He will turn twenty-two in a couple months, so he'll be a little over twenty-two at the time of the draft on night one. And just some notes he played in five less games in twenty twenty-two and he still had better stats than twenty twenty one playing five less games. Um, So you'll look at his stat sheet of the three years he was in Athens, and you'll see, okay, well, he didn't really jump from his junior to his sophomore, or just from a sophomore to his junior year. And he did because he played in five less games, putting up the same numbers. Um, Grew up seven hours from campus. He had 32 tackles, three sacks, a couple forced fumbles, and three passes defensed. So... Pretty solid stat line for, you know, only playing in 10 games versus 15 in 2021. I mean, his strengths are pretty much everything, like you said. Extremely disruptive. He's really quick for his size. Um, Solid strength and a good first step, like you said, very quick off the ball. Weaknesses, while there aren't too many, um, you know, he played with really good players around him, and he missed five games with the MCL sprain, obviously. I don't put injury as a weakness, but it's something that you always kind of want to look at When you're looking at a guy, especially as an NFL scout, you're wanting to draft a guy, you're going to automatically, every single guy, you're going to look at, what is this guy's injury history? And I think, while MCL sprain is minor, that's something that can come back down the road. And I think, while it's obviously not a worry for most teams, and he checked out and he played after it just as well as he played before, Uh, it's always something you got to note. And then I noticed he didn't always take the best angles, in pursuit on plays, um, whether he just like, uh, we got whatever down there, whoever, you know, to make the play, you know, whether it was the edges or linebackers or whoever from the loaded defense that he played on, um, it wasn't always the best angle. Um, if it was up to him, he probably wouldn't have made the play. And, you know, occasionally on like third and long plays, uh, you know, even though he's a three point stance, he did play really high, I noticed on some pass plays and normally it didn't really matter because, you know, it was a pass play and he was gonna win one on one because they would normally bring up a backer leading to, you know, five on five at the line of scrimmage. So he was a one on one with the guy. It didn't really matter how high or low his leverage was. Uh he was gonna win with his, you know, first or second move pretty quick and generate some push, you know, along with probably a couple other teammates. But that was pretty much it for me. Like you said, project him top four. Um shoot he could be number one if the picks aren't traded if they are he's probably number three or four so we'll see uh that's pretty much where it stands right now And i don't think it's going to change for him i think a lot's going to change board wise and order uh between now and april 27th when the draft kicks off but in terms of the top four guys i don't think it'll change it's just what order are we going to have and i think we'll know that order once we know that what teams are picking where so that pretty much wraps up um this episode of the positional rankings for the 2023 NFL draft. IDL, a fun one, kind of undervalued position for a lot of teams. I think, Um, you know, very pivotal. You see a lot of good defenses always start with a good uh, interior push on that D line. Um, You know, we've covered, we kicked it off with wide receivers, then moved on to corners, offensive tackles, edge rushers, tight ends, interior defensive linemen. And next week we will cover running backs. So, A lot of times the guys that are being tackled by these interior defensive linemen are the running backs. Next week, we're going to cover that top five. Probably watch about eight or nine of those guys. And then we will have two weeks after next. So three weeks left in total, but we still have five positions to cover. So stay tuned if you want to hear our rankings, our latest rankings on all of the positions, uh, position groups for this upcoming draft. And while they are bound to change, this is how we feel at the current point in time. Do you
0: have anything to cap it off? we will say next week, there's no chance we don't have different running back rankings. Like there's a there's probably like like, okay pretty clear top one definitely one and two probably from like three to twelve you could have like any order of players and I'd be like okay if you give me the reason okay cool like that I get it. Yeah. So I'm just I'm really excited to watch the running back class. I think it's it's a deep class. Usually the running back class is pretty deep, but I mean I'm excited because we're definitely gonna have different guys. Um, I think I, I have no idea. I mean, you you could watch fifteen players and still not. You, you could still watch fifteen and be like, oh man, there's a sixteenth that I didn't watch that could be a top five play. Like that's how wide the range is probably. Now maybe it's not those exact numbers, but like you could watch ten guys, seven could be three to ten, and you'd be like an eleventh that might make the that might be fourth for you, right? Like, true. So it's a it's a really good class. Um, you've got a really special talent at one. Um that I talked about before and then um, you're know, going to get some other guys kind of going here. I will also add in before we end the episode, Jalen Carter is my 1.1 on my board player board. Like he's the top player on the board for me. And that's probably not going to change. So I will get that out there. I didn't put that on there as well, but kind of starting to formulate a little bit of a board, kind of the idea behind it. Um, Kind of watched a lot of the top guys at each position already, except for quarterbacks. I don't even know how I'm going to do quarterbacks yet, dudes. It's like, Luckily I think we have like a spring break is that week, so like we'll have some time. Right. But yeah. the quarterbacks is gonna be so tough. But uh no, um kind of formulating the big board a little bit um with Carter's firmly at one for me, and it's probably never gonna change there. So, but yeah, no running backs is gonna be cool. Um definitely tune in. We'll probably have different rankings. Definitely gonna talk about a lot of guys. I'm gonna try to get to a lot of them. Um and that kind of wraps it up. We'll have an episode probably tomorrow, tomorrow or Wednesday for probably tomorrow in the next couple days for the push this one back. Cause we were busy this weekend. A lot of stuff going on it was a busy weekend for us. Um But we'll definitely have an occult seat episode coming out of you between now and Friday. when we get another, another rankings episode for you guys on Friday, probably. So stay tuned for that. And we will see you guys here shortly with a cold seat episode.
1: Yeah. See y'all soon.